morning and God bless. <laughs> I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is called First Things First. My first thing, my very first thing today and every day, giving thanks, giving praises and asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders and moving this train. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm Dominique DePrima. I think you know how this goes, but if you're new to the KBLA delegation, uh, welcome aboard, get you a name tag, <laughs> and let's get it started. Hour one, we usually look to the left coast, you know, what's going on on this side, the Pacific side of things. Hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. Today, we're pretty much on that pattern. We've got a lot of folks um, to join us today. Our Wealth Building Wednesday spotlight should be a perennial uh, favorite, so you'll want to stick around for that. Uh, something not only just uh, learning about a BIPOC-owned business, but also um, some a kind of a big shift in the community uh, that uh, you're going to want to know about. That's all I'm going to say. You're just going to have to rock with me to find out more. Um, in the third hour, we're going to take a look at... Um, you know, trans rights and trans issues um, with uh, Amara Jones, who is an award-winning author, podcast, uh, podcaster, and much, much more. Um, and joining me now in the studio uh, for our first hour, uh, it's been a minute, he is... Um, a political consultant. He's worked on many a campaign. He spent the first part of, of his career as a staffer uh, for elected officials and labor organizations, so he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Shannon Lawrence, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dominique. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, great to see you. I know you're always working hard, so uh, it's it's great to have you in studio. Like your shirt. Um, for those of you on YouTube, you can see it at youtube.com, KBLA1580. It says, elect good people. That's right. Easier said than done, right? It is, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that um, you often hear people say is, you know, what is your message to the world? And I think right now in this season that we're in, that's my message to the world is to be conscious about who we're electing and making sure that they're good people. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to really, really, really know people. Um, and and I, I'm interested in your insights. Uh, many Democrats endorsed, for example, Alex Villanueva, right? Yeah. This, this is an example of people being literally fooled because he presented as a Democrat. He presented as one thing. And then when he got into office, his persona and his moves, I guess you could say, were very much out of the MAGA playbook. So, I mean, how do, how do we do a better job in vetting electeds so that we know what we're getting? Well, I think, you know, just speaking on the, the, the villain away with situation, I think one of the things that um, <clears throat> that I think happened is that I think that there was uh, there was an expectation of Jackie Lacey that um, for whatever reason, the expectation was um, that she would be something. And so I think the election of Villanueva was really a visceral response to, our, to a disappointment, whether it was legitimate or perception. Right. Um, and and so you, I, you're talking about in the performance of Jackie Lacey versus the persona. Yes. I mean, honestly, that was a good example because she, you know, and this is me speaking for me, not me speaking for you, but she came on my show. Um, it was front page back then mm -hmm. and asked for our votes as, as a black community. And then we never heard from her again until it was time for reelection. So, 
Well, I, I, I share the same sentiment. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, and, and so I never connected the dots with that. But um, I, I mean, the guy actually just really presented himself as something other than what he is or was. And uh, he's running now for um, Board of Supervisors. Yeah, and I think we should see it for exactly what it is. I mean, I think like in, in, in most cases that we're seeing on the Republican side right now, uh, they've shown us who they are. Um, and it doesn't really matter what coding they put on what they present, but they are who they are. Um, and I think we should believe them. Um, yeah. Does he admit to being a Republican now? I'm not sure. Um, but in any case, he's running, I think, against Janice Hahn, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, and that's a that's a revenge move. He's a you know, I, does he really want to be supervisor? Eh, I don't know. Does he want to be empowered? Probably so. Does he want to get back at Janice Hahn? Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, the board of supervisors during his tenure. I mean, that they oversee the sheriff, but they they were like his nemesis. It yeah. was Wiley Coyote and the the Roadrunner. Yeah, um, and I think Janice Hahn was probably the, the 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 main person out there, and so he he sees her as public enemy number one. Interesting, interesting, interesting. It is election season, believe it or not. I'm I got my holiday festive thing going on. Me and uh Shannon, we match. That's right. <laughs> if you want, you have to go to YouTube <laughs> to see that. But it, so it doesn't feel like election season, but it really is because March third will be here in a minute and a half. Those, um. You know, early voting, the the uh, paper ballots uh, come out in February, beginning of February, actually. Yeah, around February 6th. That's crazy. Well, I mean, the, the beauty of it is that, you know, we have a 21-day GOTV cycle now. Um, and so with that... Get out the vote. <laughs> so with that, there's plenty of time for people to make their final decisions, um, to really vet the candidates, to really determine who they want, um, and really begin to vote their values mm. instead of trying to figure it out in four days. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a good way of looking at it, because it seems to me like w by the time we finish cleaning up from the holidays, it'll be time to vote. But we do have that long window from February 6th, I guess, to... March uh, 5th. March 5th, so it's almost a month. Um, that should be enough time. I feel like sometimes it's hard with... Uh, Obscure, I, I shouldn't say obscure, with less um, races that get less attention, like judges, mm -hmm. and also with propositions which are oftentimes written intentionally confusing. That's right. And there are a number of them on the ballot for this year. Um, I'm not an expert in them yet. <laughs> because right, right. Still, exactly. A lot of them are Me still neither, being, by being the way. finalized. But I, I can assure you that before... Uh, before um, the election happens and I'm going <laughs> to definitely be well versed to see what the voters uh, have say so over when it comes down to how we legislate ourselves. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, we usually stick local when uh, in this hour, but you know, we have to at least touch on uh, that Colorado court decision <laughs> uh, saying that Mr. Trump cannot be on the ballot. Yeah. Um, it, you know, because he, uh, tried to overthrow the government, basically. I mean, it's 14th Amendment, which was meant to keep Confederates off the ballot. And I, and I, for me, it, it would be, if, if that holds up, which I don't know if it will, because it may go all the way to the Supreme Court, right? If it holds up, it would be doing exactly what it was meant to do, because it would be keeping a Confederate off the ballot. Yeah, and you know, shout out to Colorado for having the courage. <laughs> yeah, right. To, to to do that, um, I know here in California, um, I know there was some talk, and I believe it's it's it's, it's still happened where um, 
uh, one of the requirements to be on the ballot for president was that you have to turn in your tax returns. I don't know if, if that has been tested yet. Um, but I, I, I think that the states that truly, I'm not saying that they don't, but states that have shown that they really care about our democracy, they're doing the things in place to put those safeguards in place uh, to make sure that we don't have another um, situation like we had on January 6th. And so, you know, taking those kind of preventative measures, I think, or at least at the very least, just testing testing the the testing the will of the American people and testing the courts to really see uh, the strength of our constitution and the strength of, of, of our laws, I think is, is, is admirable. And, and I think it should be um, applauded and, and, and buckle up and see where, where this goes. Cause I think it's going to end up in the Supreme court. I mean, of course he's already fundraising off it. So some people are saying this will be um, LA times included. There's a, an article saying this is a, this is a plus for, for the former president that he'll be able to, you know, whine and cry and play victim all the way to victory. Yeah, and, you know... Because he doesn't need Colorado, to be clear. He lost it by right. a lot uh, in the last election, and he he's not counting on it to win anyway, right? Right, and, and, and at the same time, I think I think it also says a lot about the courage of the current Republican field, the fact that they're not willing to actually speak out against this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Christie's the only one, and I'm not saying that any of them would be good for us, but what I am saying is that when it comes down to vetting the best that they have to offer, they're not willing to stand up to the bully. And that's a shame. And I think it says a lot about uh, how they would actually lead if they do get the uh, the number one spot in this country, because how would you stand up against a Putin? How would you stand up against, you know, any of these other? Yeah, well, we, we have kind of seen that in the right. future. But so if but even again, if he was if it held up, which I doubt because we have that extreme court, the, the MAGA Supreme Court. But if it did, it wouldn't necessarily hurt him because he doesn't need Colorado. Same with California, right? If we kept him right. off the ballot um, and he can come here in California and cry to his friends in Orange County and get checks. But um, what it could do maybe is create momentum for some other states that he does need, right? Like Ohio and places like that to consider keeping him off the ballot if the political will was there. And let's hope it is. <laughs> I think I think you're absolutely correct. And, and I do think that um, for a lot of those folks that will be challenged with having to make those tough decisions, being able to stand behind precedent, I think will give them both the courage and also the shield to be able to, to do that. Um, so I just like watching it, you know, <laughs> whether because all of these things are things I've never seen before in my lifetime. And this is an extreme criminal um, who needs extreme measures to try to reel him in even if it does create sympathy for him i mean but the people that are sympathizing with him are not new voters i think they're the same hardcore base that he's always had so i don't know that you know more sympathy from those folks shifts the equation does it no no it doesn't um you know i think i think you're right. It is the same people. It's going to be in those same states. Um, and, you know, what black up folk have shown is that is that black when 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 Georgia flipped purple, yeah. um, it showed what's possible when our community actually pays attention, gets engaged and gets involved. And I'm you know, I, I don't believe that what happened in Georgia was an anomaly. Um, I think that it can happen all over, but I do think it takes uh, intent and deliberate action and organizing in those places in order to make that mm. happen. Could happen in Florida? Um, maybe. It does. 
yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, gosh, Florida is such a man. It's, I, it's, I, <laughs> It's a it's kind of a paradox. I mean, it's like a huge paradox to me because you do have a lot of Haitians, you have a lot of uh, Latinos, although many of them could be uh, con- uh you know, conservative Cubans and Venezuelans. You have a lot of low-income uh black folks, black Americans, yeah, <laughs> who are heavily disenfranchised there. Um anyway, I, I you know, it's 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 the beginning of what's going to be a wild ride it seems, this election. Yeah, but I also think that it's the beginning of a changing um a change a changing of the guard in how we think about politics and how we think about how we govern ourselves in this country. I think, you know, I think one of the things that we don't talk often enough about is that every year there's a new crop of 18-year-olds, right? Yeah. There, there, there's a new crop of voters that have new ideas and, and new ideals in terms of how they see this country, how they see the world, how they see this country functioning in the world, and how they see themselves being a contributor uh, to either the progress or regression of it, right? And so I think um, with that, I think one of the things that we have to do is not be afraid of these conversations around politics, have them early with our kids, have them often with our kids, because when they step in, it's just, it's, it's no different than when you give a kid a driver's license, right? We have to do driver training and you have to do driver's ed. You have to prepare them before they get on the road. And too many, and in too many cases we are allowing to, we're allowing this next, we're allowing future generations to just turn 18. And then we haven't hand them a ballot, say, Hey, vote. It's like, but, you know, you we haven't really prepared them. Yeah, my um, poor child has been going with me to vote since they were a baby. Oh, me too. A little tiny baby. Me too. But, um, yeah, well, there's a bombshell report in the L.A. Times about the LAPD allegedly investigating Mayor Karen Bass after she was elected. Talk about that when we come forward. Shannon Lawrence, Dominique DePrima, KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now. And right now you are invited in at 800-920-1580. 800-920-1580. I'm going to remind you every day while I'm on the mic because we only have until December 31st of 2023 to go on and take that reparations survey for the um, Los Angeles City Reparations Advisory Task Force. Go to blackexperiencela.com and, you know, just plan about 20, 30 minutes to go through all these questions. It's actually quite fascinating and they need more of us to participate. Uh, Shannon Lawrence is with us. He um, has worked on many a campaign. He's witnessed... um, a lot of people running for office who, um, he says, good-hearted people who run for office and lose and walk away wondering what happened. So that's kind of what you do. You consult people. Um, if people are thinking of running and they want to engage your services, what would they do? Uh, go to our website, www.inkwellcg.com, uh, or feel free to call me, uh, 310-870-7550. Okay, so, um, yeah, because I know uh, it's true. People run and they, you know, they think that they have... A, my my brother is currently the mayor of Newark, but right. he ran at least two or three times before he, he won. Yeah, he, and that's what happens a lot of times. I think, I think um, you know, elections really is about consistency. 
Because I think there's some components in, in campaigns that we often don't think about, especially for candidates, right? They think, well, I'm popular amongst my 30 to 50 friends. Right. And, and that's enough. <laughs> and and it is enough if you're running for student council president, but you're running to serve the general public, right? And so I think I think you have to give space for the public to get to know you, to get to learn mm. and trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there is a reality that, you know, in the words of Jess Unruh, you know, money is a mother's milk in politics, and so you have to raise money. I don't care how good intentioned you are. It takes money to win. Um, and I know we can – that's a whole other debate about whether or not it should or it shouldn't. But the reality is is that, you know, if if you didn't get a mailer or a phone call or see a billboard, you wouldn't know that that person's on the ballot, and all of that takes money. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and I think uh, – in California, more money than most places, right? Because we're as big as many uh, nations. Yeah, and there's so many competing interests here. I mean, you're competing I'm, with other candidates. You're competing with the business community. You're competing with billionaires who are taking out independent expenditures to oppose maybe what, what you believe in. I mean, there's there's so many competing interests that you have to be able to get your message above above the fray. So the L.A. Times is reporting that two detectives in uh, Internal Affairs Division of the Los Angeles Police Department were ordered by Chief Michael Moore to investigate Mayor Karen Bass after she was elected. Um, They claim that uh, this was in January, um, that after, you know, after she was elected, um, when they, they were asked to look into a scholarship she received from USC, which was, I mean, already an issue in the campaign, which the then Congresswoman Bass had pre-approved by the Ethics Committee of Congress. And I don't know what else you can do. If I'm an elected official and I want to make a move and I go to the Ethics Committee and I say, can I do this? And they say, yes. To me, that's a green light. Uh, it was a talking point in the mayoral race. Rick Caruso, who was uh, the main opponent of Mayor Bass, the billionaire, of course, um, blasting her, you know, get, uh, they had these horrifying commercials that tried to make it seem like she was corrupt, but she won anyway by a lot, um, despite him putting in literally tens of millions of dollars. But it, to me, it this is a, a sus- suspicious story anyway for two reasons. Number one, at that time, Moore was waiting to see if he would be reappointed by the mayor for another five-year term, which is something many in the community, uh, myself included, uh, did not wish to see happen. And the other reason is because the Los Angeles Police Department Association, their um, union or cartel, um, spent millions of dollars to try to defeat the mayor. And so even though uh, Chief Moore is denying this, he's saying he never ordered that, he never heard of it, he never talked to anybody about it. But what's he going to say? Yeah, I did it. I mean, uh, even though he's denying it, it it kind of tracks for me just because it's in alignment with what the union for the LAPD was advocating for up until she was uh, elected. Yeah. Well, just remember, the chief is also not a member of the union. So um, technically, right? Well, no, I mean, not not technically, nor actually. I mean, he's considered management. Um, and so he's not a member of, of the of the L.A. police uh, protective league. Um, matter of fact, they often are in opposition. Right. When you become chief. So right. the rest of his career, he was, and right. he knows all those folks and, uh, you know, right. And to me, if the LAPD is taking a position, they don't want Bass for mayor, whether he's in the union or not. Right. I see what you're saying. They can be in opposition because they're negotiating 
whatever salaries, contracts, etc. Yeah, but I bet, you know, I, I'll, 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 you know, in reading the article, one of the things that sticks out to me is I think Karen Bass's class and grace and all of it. And the fact that I'm sorry, Mayor Karen Bass's class and grace and the fact yes. that, that she didn't respond. She doubles down on her position that, you know, she's focused on reducing crime. And and, and I also think that, you know, allegations are, are allegations. And I think that, um, you know, it's 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 the L.A. Times job quote-unquote to report the news but I also think that that you know sometimes just to create space that they print articles that are nothing articles I um, mean that could be there is a formal complaint I mean they yeah. did they did investigate there there is there was a complaint filed although um you know like I said Moore's denying it and and you're right Karen Bass Madam Mayor is saying like this is a distraction why are we focusing on this right Right. And I do think that that and I, I think that's important when it comes down to, to, to leadership, frankly, is to is to be able to say thank you so much for your opinion. I'm focused on making sure that we have safe streets. And yeah, I mean, I agree. But at the same time, it's a similar. What is she going to say? Oh, right. yeah, that doggone police chief <laughs> that I reappointed and have to work with every day. You know, yeah, he was trying to stab me in the back. Yeah, she's not no mayor. Not even the dumbest mayor is going to say that. Well, I know one mayor that might on the East Coast that's no longer mayor, but you know that's another story. For another day. Oh well, yeah, maybe one that is still mayor. I mean, I don't know what you no ain't no telling what Eric Adams would do. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. You never know. Um, but I I understand what you're saying. It's a non-story because the mayor is squashing it, um, and there's no smoking gun other than the complaints filed by these two detectives yeah but it you know for me it tracks yeah no I, and, and I, I see your point i'm not i'm not saying that it i'm not saying that it it didn't happen but i don't think there's enough there to say that it did also got you got you all right we've got news traffic and sports and then continuing the conversation only on kbla talk 1580 we wish you a holiday season filled with peace and love and a new year rich with blessings. Mask up and stay safe. From all of us at KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, it is so fun to have Shannon Lawrence here because he is an actual uh, campaign a consultant and a staffer many, many uh, times back in the day, a campaign staffer or an actual uh, staffer in political offices. So, you know, a lot of things and, uh, you know, behind the scenes kind of look at uh, how things go down. So, hmm, you know, water, water, water is a big issue in the state of California. We um, have that issue worldwide. I think it's something that we'll be hearing a lot more about in the decades ahead, right? Water is the new oil is what some folks say. Now, California has approved um, the use of recycled wastewater, meaning toilet water coming out of your faucet statewide. And I think even though this is considered safe and a lot of places do it already, I know like out in the Inland Empire they do it, uh, the issue is going to be perception. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a huge hurdle for folks to get over. Um, you know, you have to disclose it. You know, I don't know if that's in the rule or not, but I think just for good ethical government, you should you should disclose that it is recycled water or some sort of retreated water, however way they 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 market it. 
But I think you do have to let people know now. And then I think you also are going to have to, and then people are going to have to be okay with the fact that we live in a world now where this has to happen. Um, and we can argue back and forth of whether or not it, it has to, but until we have other technologies or we figure out a way to, to actually create water, then this is, this is the solution. I mean, so California is the second state to do this. It's the Water Resources Control Board um, that made this approval actually this week um, that they can use basically toilet water. Sewer water can be used now for drinking, to come out of your tap, for cooking, for bathing. And um, it does say the rules require the agencies to let customers know. But once they let you know, we will never be able to determine what, when it's wastewater coming out of our faucets and when it's water from the Colorado River. We, we won't be able to discern the difference, right? Um, probably not unless, yeah. you know, but, but I will say this. I do think that, that there has been so much investment into, uh, into water technology that the reality is, is that do we really know what we're getting in everything else anyway? I mean, like, do we really True. know that right the bottled water is what they say it is? I mean, not unless, I mean, think about this. We've seen corporations uh, fool the people for years until someone brings a lawsuit and all of a sudden, oh, well, it's not what it says it is, right? And so, yeah, that's true. I mean, but usually, I believe if they say it's spring water, it's a little easier to test if it's really spring water. Yeah, but we don't know if it's spring from Colorado Springs or Spring Street either. So, yeah, well, <laughs> the water I buy tells you what spring <laughs> it's coming from. Okay, but and I and you can taste it. But I think that point about water is very salient because there are some brands, you know, like Aquafina, I'm going to name it, that it's just a reverse osmosis and they don't tell you where the water came from. It could be toilet water. That's the Coca-Cola brand of water. Right. Um, and so you, to me, you got to look and see what the bottle says. If it tells you where it's from, if it's purified, and you're right, they could be lying. Um, all the holistic people that I know say go with spring. Right. Because it does have natural minerals and it's more alive. Right. Or, or alkaline, I'm sure. I'm right? pretty sure all of them say, don't say toilet water. No, no, no. Or, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no holistic practitioner anywhere is saying, you know, but toilet I, water. Th there's some genius marketer right now who's uh, <laughs> who's coming up with the toilet water brand water. Yeah. But, no, I mean, but I, I do think that, I mean, but I, I will say that, um, you know, to go back to my previous point, I do think that. Like I think about the investments that we've done at Hyperion in the city of Los Angeles, um, being able to really treat the water in a way to where it is safe and it is sustainable and it is uh, and it's good for people to be able to use to drink or to use it any other way. Those technology we're continuing to invest in the technologies to advance um, our sustainability options. And so, although on a surface level it it sounds very daunting and it sounds nasty and it sounds yeah. unhealthy. Um, you know, I trust science to a certain to a large extent, and I trust that that and I trust our government is not going to allow it to happen unless the proper research and the proper vetting has, yeah. has happened. The trust the government part is a little shaky over here. I mean, because you think <laughs> about Flint, right? Yeah. You know, you think about Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson, yeah. and it kind of mm, I don't know about trust the government part. I do think, yeah, science is is very advanced, although. 
I've been reading about how even in regular water that's not toilet water or waste water, I guess is the, the, the proper term, there are traces of pharmaceuticals because people, you know, flush their farm, their pills down the toilet and it gets into the water and they don't know how to clean it out yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, yeah. So I'm and, hoping that in their quest to learn how to remove pharmaceuticals from our water, um, you know, we'll get to the point where even the wastewater is very, very clean. It may it may actually end up being cleaner than coming directly from from the springs. Of, you know, it, and let's not forget, you know, California is still the leader when it comes down to science and technology in this country, like really leading the world. I mean, we have more advancements and studies that are happening here than any place else in the country. And so um, it makes sense for it to happen here. It makes sense for us to, to, to be the leader in that. Um, and so I think it, I think it's on brand with just kind of who we are as California. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, you know, I, I can't control it, so I have to go with it for now, but I, for me, it just, it does seem pretty, really nasty. Yeah. And I know you're right. You know, if people started getting sick or something, there would be massive lawsuits. So I'm sure it's been well vetted. I've actually, you know, through conversations with my friends in the group called Groundswell, which works on water policy, water justice. They have assured me that this wastewater is safe, but I, my mind is not there yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think Groundswell is doing an awesome job with, uh, I really wish more people knew about Groundswell and would look them up because they're doing a lot of work around water advocacy and not just water in general, but making sure that our communities in particular are receiving the environmental justice, in particular when it comes down to water, uh, when it comes down to advocating for good public policy around water, when it comes down to making sure that our communities are not taken for granted or taken advantage of. And so, you know, shout out to Groundswell. Thank you for bringing them up because I, I do think that, um, that that the more of us that are really talking about it and 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 talking about it in a in in our communities i think it just gives them more power and it gives them the ability to keep our water officials uh, more accountable to making sure that that those cracks are not are not um penetrated and that our communities are taken care of it's a great point because a lot of us don't even pay attention to water officials water officials what's that even though it's on the ballot or whatever yeah um but it's it's crucial and in as we talked about this last week, it's like I didn't even realize the connection between water supply and housing. You cannot build housing if you don't have water for those folks that are about to move there. And in a state that is suffering from, you know, a terrible housing emergency, um, that is super relevant. And where that water flows means decides who is eligible to build more housing. Yeah, gosh, the housing conversation and and where people are going to live. That's that's <laughs> yeah, and I you know it's and it's not just to me. It's 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 really being that's the fact that that is a requirement. I think it shows a tremendous amount of responsibility and accountability. But more than anything else, um, to your point, I think we have to also pay attention as to how those how those those waterways underground are being made who's who's making because i you know just to kind of switch a little bit, I, I do think that that one of the things that we don't talk about enough is even when it comes down to infrastructure it's not just having an infrastructure but there are careers in infrastructure that a lot of our communities are not being able to take advantage of because we just don't know that they exist and so um so it's a it's a whole ecosystem um um 
uh, around this that I think um, is worth is worth uh, exploring and, and, and discussing at some point. Yeah. And, in, and at a certain point, it's going to become front and center, whether we track it or not, because you can't live without water. Uh, Shannon Lawrence is here with me. You're welcome to call in 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. KBLA Talk 1580. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, the conversation about people moving out of California is something that's been ongoing. I remember having a rather heated debate with someone from Texas uh, who was making the case that California is worse than Texas because people from here are moving there, uh, including Elon Musk. Uh, and today's LA Times, there's a story about how Californians now, the ones leaving, bef- prior it was always uh, the lower income folks leaving because they couldn't afford housing or whatever. Now the LA Times uh, article says that it's the middle class and the wealthy that are leaving. <coughs> so, I mean, they, they cite a bunch of different reasons, housing costs, uh, I believe, my personal um, observation is that has a lot to do with the remote working because when a Facebook or a Airbnb moves their headquarters or shrinks their headquarters and allows people to work from home, those folks with the higher salaries, oh, I can get more from my money in Colorado or whatever. Texas apparently is a uh, destination of choice and also Florida. So for my... Where I sit, I think that's exacerbated by the pandemic. But what they're saying is it's a problem for our tax base because California does tax the rich. And if we have fewer rich and upper middle class folks, then our tax base shrinks. We're looking at a deficit this year. Yeah. uh, But also, I mean, when you when, you know, when we look at how our budget happens in the state of California anyway, it's typically it ebbs and flows. I mean, right. Always. So. You know, one it's it's not uncommon to have a surplus one year, deficit the next year, surplus the next year. That's that's you know maybe steady for a couple of years, but that's not that's not uncommon. I do think to your point, and I agree that the pandemic certainly uh, exacerbated a lot of this. Um, but let's be clear: that a lot of these folks, when they move, they realize I can't move back, and so uh, right because they don't have. Well, if they're rich, they can, but if they're middle class, yeah, what are you going to right? And your housing. But in, but in, and the, the other part that I think we have to remember is that you know California is still California, and you know yeah. I, I, I saw a uh, I think it was on social media. I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and, and it said you know if you're from California and you leave California, and I'm summarizing it, and then you realize that oh I really like California, right? <laughs> because because there's so much to offer here. I mean, it, we get sunshine 300 days out the year at the very minimum. You know, weather is pretty mild. It's plenty of job opportunities. Our education system is the best in the nation, which is why people come really? from all over. Well, people come from all over the world in order to get educated here, whether we whether we hmm. think so or not. Yeah, I don't know about that, but okay. I mean, I, the reason I say that is because I know we don't invest at the levels that some other states do. Yeah, we don't. And, and also, when you talk to people from the East Coast, they, you know, they think we're dumb. That you know, not dumb, but like undereducated. I know that, but in any case, I, I love California. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to argue that. I believe a lot of them are going to move back. You, <laughs> I do. I think they're going to find a way, but we'll see. They're going to move to Bakersfield. Because guess what? Yeah, well, whatever, or yeah. whatever they do, because honestly, 
when you move to Texas, yeah. you have to live in Texas. It is still Texas. When you move to Florida, you get Ron DeSantis or whoever, whatever Florida man they come up with next right. as your governor. And after a while, I think, especially if we see, uh, you know, Trump 2.0, at a certain point, it becomes intolerable to live with those policies. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. Policies and attitudes. Because I think because um, you want them to stay gone. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Peace out. We won't miss you. Really? No. Well, you talking about Trump? No, no. I, oh, you're talking oh, about the second. I yeah, thought yeah. you meant let's hope they won't move back to California. Oh, you no, meant no, no. Let's hope <laughs> Trump doesn't get reelected. Yeah. No, no. I think. Well, you know, and I do think that I do think that they will want to come back. Uh, I don't know where they're going to go because I mean, it's just it's so difficult to find. You know, I think it's we're just in a. We got some. We got to find some real solutions here. Well, if people keep leaving and we keep building housing, then eventually it won't be as expensive. What the challenge? But that's that what the, ten years off, probably. Yeah, yeah, but, and they're but they're leaving places that we just can't move into any. I mean, I think the, the fact that the fact that 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 we that in this state right now, in order to in order to be considered like base and i forgot the actual term it's escaping me right now but minimum wage needs to be at like over 30 dollars in order to just be able to afford a one-bedroom apartment right and we just now are bumping our minimum wage up to 16 bucks an hour um in the, in the state come january 1 i mean and 20 dollars for for uh fast food workers there's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen and so they're they're even though they're moving out you know they're not leaving homes that regular people could actually just move into right because those are 75 75k is the low end i think they said now it's up to like 127 right. the average person that's moving out which is about what you need to even you know live comfortably uh yeah you're right it's a conundrum um but i do think that california is california and yep. florida ain't california and neither is nevada no shade miles but <laughs> a lot of people are moving to vegas i saw so many people L.A. people in Vegas when I, you know, when I was visiting, it was just incredible. Yeah, my mom moved to Vegas. She lives in Vegas. And so, and, and, and she's that, not coming back. Uh, Maybe. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, but the housing prices have skyrocketed in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. Well, it's the same with Atlanta. Everybody wanted to move to Atlanta because, you, you know, it was cheaper. It's not really cheaper anymore. Not unless you not move much. way out. I mean, yeah. not, I mean, you I have mean to I'm talking about Atlanta proper. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's unaffordable. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, you know, we see that. We see that everywhere. And I think I think it speaks to a bigger question also when it comes down to when it comes down to how our economy is treating black folk in particular. Right. In terms of are we able to really participate in this economy to be able to buy homes, to be able to become business owners, to, be, to just participate in a way other than just being a consumer and a barely living person. I mean, I think that is right. But I also think it's it's a question about the working class. True. Because if the working class cannot afford to live in the cities where their jobs are, that's not sustainable. Right. That's not sustainable with, uh, you know, with climate emergency, with gas prices. It is not sustainable when it comes to our mental wellness and well-being. And it, it, it becomes a model where the gap between rich and poor or even middle class and, and working class is so broad that uh, it could topple our whole system, could topple our whole country. Yeah. I believe it will if we keep going the way we are. 
I agree. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I know the solution <laughs> right now. Well, I, the solution is we got to pay the workers better. That's, That's the solution. We cannot be a slaves to, or we, cause I'm not a CEO, but if I was, well, I am CEO, but I don't have any employees. We can't be slaves to just, you know, investor returns. True. We have to have a non-predatory, you know, what Julianne Malveaux calls predatory capitalism. We got to move away from that model. If your business model depends on starving workers, then you need to redo your business model. It's not a valid paradigm. You can't create a company who can only succeed if you squeeze blood out of your workers. That's not, that's not a sustainable model. I agree. I totally agree. That's also why we are we're also starting to see this movement um, towards unionism in this country yep. as well. Absolutely, um, is because I think I think people, working people, are realizing that you know, depending on the good faith and trust of large corporations, is not going to be in their best interest. Uh, I don't, even we, you saw what happened with Starbucks in terms of yeah, they uh, they're being forced to reopen a lot of those stores that they that they closed. Um, a couple of them, a few of them here in Los Angeles. And, you know, and I say right, they, they were making excuses saying it was traffic or this or that. But it was really because they were trying to shut down union activism. Absolutely. You see that happen in, in Alabama where they tried to. Well, even with, um, with Amazon, tried yeah. to organize a plant in, 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 in North Alabama and, and they fired the guy. And, but now he works for the union and they're still organizing it. So I think I do think you're going to start seeing this massive shift towards organizing. But more than anything else, the, the thing that I'm encouraged by is even if they don't join a union, it's this idea that workers are beginning to realize that I have rights and I have and I should be able to have work life balance and not my work life balance be be uh, be centered around the CEO's level of comfort and, and their ability to be able to take vacations in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I would think that wise CEOs, wise billionaires, if you will, why do you need 100 billion? Wouldn't 50 do? Wouldn't 25? You're not going to spend that in your lifetime. Would begin to realize that if they want this, this society as we have it now to continue, they're going to have to stop being so darn greedy. I mean, yeah. it sounds overly simplistic, but it really isn't. Stop price gouging. Right. Right. And stop underpaying workers because otherwise you're going to end go the way of, you know, France and other republic other other empires who rome who crumbled yeah yeah uh, you know I, I think um yes you're absolutely correct and and i think also that the challenge is that you know we as a as an as a culture in, in america we value wealth we we yeah. see wealth and we equate it to power and intelligence and right that's which just is why that. dumb people vote for trump but look um <laughs> you there's wealth and then there's wealth right you know there's wealth and then there's you can never spend it in your whole lifetime why are you still gouging workers shannon lawrence it is always a pleasure to talk with you thanks for coming back the it's been a mine. minute no, all right thank you so much and uh, we continue. It's a Wealth Building Wednesday. There's wealth and then there's wealth. <laughs> Check out our Wealth Building Wednesday spotlight next on KBLA Talk 1580.